Like this, that was the third time for Tom. I was like, oh shit, if we fuck up, she's gonna go in this laptop and she's gonna she's gonna strangle me. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want that on my conscience. My hand is gonna go through that fucking laptop. Is what was gonna happen. <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't because we got the recording. Yes, we did. So let's just go right into this. Um, we're going to do a very special episode. Uh, gonna reverberate from the norm. Um, you know, we, our bread and butter is true crime murders in Illinois, and we're going to continue to do that, but this is our fucking show, and we can do whatever the fuck we want, and again, we're going to do something different, and, I mean, that said, it's not going to be something that's a clear-cut true crime murder, but this is something that is really, uh, really, I guess, tragic, um, when you really look at the impact, I mean, it's, it's, it has mixed results, in a clear way, but I mean, some had happy endings, and in this case, the stories we're going to talk about didn't have some happy endings, so, um, and you guys were talking about the orphan train movement, so that's, you know, just like, what the fuck is he talking about? Let's get to the point. So, that said, (laughs) uh, you ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready to do the damn thing, and... You know, I kind of just wish the, this orphan train movement was more in our history books. I don't really remember learning about this till college, so mm-hmm. I feel like it's definitely a pretty big portion of our history. Um, so yeah, let's do the damn so, thing. But what before it? Should we do a disclaimer? Uh, we didn't do the disclaimer in the last oh, episode. Yes, 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 I know. We said it at the end, though. Um, but this is our disclaimer: is this is for anybody who. If you know of anyone or whether a part of this orphan train movement, please let us know um, if there are any facts that we say that are incorrect or there's more knowledge that you have. Please let us know. We just want to, we're here to report. We're just here to state the facts that we find through news articles, media, um, things such as. So if we say anything wrong or do anything that pisses you off, Hit us up. Um, the best way to reach us is through social media. So you can find us on Facebook at uh, Illinois with Bird and Cam. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram where we respond, or excuse me, where we respond pretty quickly as well. And that's at Illinois Podcast um, or Illinois with Bird and Cam. So let us know how we're doing. Rate us uh, if you have some facts about a case we've covered or something we said wrong, let us know. Correct us. We want to help. We want to spread the word. So the only way to do that is if it's correct information. Damn right. And that said, uh, the Orphan Train Movement was a supervised welfare program that transported orphan and homeless children from crowded 
eastern cities of the United States to foster homes located largely in rural areas of the Midwest. The orphan trains operated between 1854 and 1929, relocating about 200,000 orphan, abandoned, or homeless children. Three charitable institutions, the Children's Village, founded in 1851 by 24 philanthropists, the Children's Aid Society, established in 1853 by Charles Loring Brace, and the New York Founding Hospital endeavored to help these children. The institutions were supported by wealthy donors and operated by professional staff. And Illinois was a popular destination. At least 10,000 children were placed here. Uh, says Janet Cobble, Jacksonville, Illinois. Um, she's the, the chairwoman of the state uh, genealogical society's orphanage records. Where trains stopped. Um, these towns included Rockford, Freeport, Rochelle, Oregon, Polo, and DeKalb. And I'm pretty sure one, two, three, I visited four out of the six locations here, oh. or I've been in these places before. So I've only been to Rockford. Me. Really? I've been to Rockford, Freeport, Rochelle, Oregon. I used to dirt bike ride, and, and oh. my stepmom's from DeKalb. So. Getting her BMX phone. That's weird. <laughs> but. The children were actually part of a social exper experiment called Placing Out. From 1853 and 1929, trainloads of uh, destitute and homeless children, over 200,000 in all, um, were transported from New York City, Boston, and other cities on the eastern United States to cities and towns along the rail lines in America's Middle West and West in eventually large Midwest cities, such as Chicago. These, uh, these cities also established orphan trains. In exchange for good homes, quote unquote, the children, many whom had been living on the streets and eating from garbage cans, were offered to farmers, housewives, and businessmen as workers. Some children and some were children lucky. were lucky. Uh -huh. You go, you go. You go? Okay, sweet. Some children were lucky, and they went to families that adopted them and treated them with love. But for others, like Charles Frederick, the results were a little different. Um, the fa Irish family took in my dad, Franklin Frederick, later said about his father, to the Rockford Register Star. He was just someone to work on the farm. Although the Placing Out program operated in the U.S. for about 75 years, it wasn't until 1978 when Orphan Train, a fictional account of the first Orphan Train riders, was published that curiosity about the system began. Now, there's a or national organization to help descendants of train riders find their roots. Uh, Nonfiction books have been written about them. Organizations just like the Illinois Genealogical Society that we just mentioned are gathering records about Orphan Train riders as we speak. Um, Franklin Frederick had said that his dad arrived on an orphan train in Rockford on September 6, 1888. Frederick said that his father told him that he and other children bound for uh, Duran were picked up in a covered wagon by John Nelson, a Duran farmer. The roads were so rugged that they had to stop overnight at a station way, uh, stage way station on Trash Bridge Road, he remembered. Um, the next day they arrived in Duran where the different farmers picked them up. That's what Frederick said. 
his father went to the Lemons, a family that had come from Ireland in the 1850s and farmed 160 acres north of Duran. The boys worked hard, and they had a chance to attend a one-room school off and on for four years. Hmm. However, the Lemons weren't exactly a warm, warm family, and his father never really felt loved, Frederick said. I wonder if they're uh, related to John. When he was 17, Charles... <laughs> you think? <laughs> he said Ireland. I was like, hmm. The older I get... The older I get, the more I realize that whole... Everyone's in one degree of another, I believe. Like, it's crazy. The people I know that know people... Mm-hmm. That know me. It's it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's freaking weird. And I feel like everything's like connected <laughs> it's weird it's a weird conspiracy thought i have going through my head oh boy you know conspiracies <laughs> <laughs> that's a different podcast oh yeah uh oh on where we're at so when charles frederick was 17 he actually ran away one evening he threw his clothes out the window his son says he said he was going to the outhouse but he never came back. Oh, Frederick worked for farmers around Charlotte and Harrison and later came to Rockford where he married in 1911. In 1913, he moved into the house in Loves Park where he would live for the next 47 years until his death at the age of 80 in 1962. While some aspects of the orphan train program were quote-unquote appalling, it also offered a new start for a happier environment for many youngsters. Uh, Marilyn Holt, author of the book, The Orphan Trains, Placing Out in America, said, Many children, she would go on to say, fell through the cracks. They were mistreated, malnourished, and overworked. On the other hand, for at least half, it was a good experience. They had opportunities that they would not have if they stayed where they are. They might not even survive childhood. So, I mean, so this first case with uh, Charles Frederick... It's mixed bag, if you want to be technical. I mean, it was not the best of situations for him. Because, I mean, it just felt like he went from, you know, like, went to, it wasn't a loving family. You know, he went somewhere to work. And there was no nourishment. I mean, especially for an age like that. But as we go on to further cases of orphans, um... He would make Frederick look like a cupcake because um, while Frederick endured hardship as a result of the orphan train, these cases would turn out to be awfully tragic. This is crazy because like the book you were just mentioning is, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, half of the children had a happy ending, but... You can't see my quotation marks, but I almost want to call bullshit on that. Like, that's not really a statistic due to the fact of the other 50% didn't have a good life. So what makes that a good statistic, quote unquote? But that's that's another argument for later. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the late 1800s, it became the practice to sweep the streets of the larger cities primarily New York City, of the many random immigrant children roaming in the streets unsupervised. 
what they said is these children were seen as a moral hazard because the children might turn to crime or prostitution and that will help them make their way in the world. And in order to protect, protect the children from the dangers of the city and to protect the good citizens from the immigrant children, these children were sent out on trains to the healthful living that could be had in the country. One place the orphan train stopped was Bloomington, Illinois. Uh, the references to the children never refer to the orphan trains, but to the New York City Orphan Home or the New York uh, Juvenile Asylum, and the fact that the children... Well, as we're saying this, um, we kind of lost connection with her, and this is, again, what happens with Illinois. Uh, we always have technical... Oh, now she's back. Oh, boy. And like I said, it's always for, Kel always for Illinois. I guess it's a hallmark of the show is that technical yes. issues are bound to happen. So, like, I thought I was going to lose her, and it was like, oh, and then she came back. So, um... <laughs> Woof. <laughs> <laughs> So the first notice of New York orphans coming to McLean County was in 1870 when a group of nine boys and three girls came through Bloomington to Farmer City. The children were to be, quote-unquote, bounded out to whoever wanted them. In 1880, an orphan named Heading lived in a farm near Washburn and returned two years after leaving with a claim that he owed money by a Mrs. Myers. She claimed that he set her barn on fire after threatening her. After a contingent men went to find him, Heading was never mentioned again. Oh, boy, this gets a little, uh, a little weirder. Well, not, I mean, guess, uh, not weirder, but very, uh, disturbing. Um, in August of 1878, uh, Louis fell down dead in the yard of the New York Orphan Asylum Agency in Normal. On um, May 5th, 1880, a train of 40 New York orphans were sent from normal from Chicago and sent off from speeches. Uh, it's all published and uh, condensed in the Pantograph of 1880. So, I mean, it's a lot of, they really spliced to a show a, uh, I'm going to put it a, huh, I'll play, a, guess a moratorium of what the plight of the orphans had went through. Um, they show one, uh, William Sherman, for example, who was a product of the New York Orphan Asylum, was accused of robbing his employer, um, was allowed to work out of his fine by working 15 days out of the stone pile, quote-unquote, in Bloomington. I don't want to know what the stone pile in those days meant. Um, there was a second... That shit would hurt. Yeah? Oh, oh God. I, I can imagine. Um, stone pile... The indignation of the public was roused when an unnamed farmer near Weldon cast out his orphan charge by placing him on a freight train on a cold winter night. And that orphan was only seven years old, and he was found nearly frozen on the train by a policeman. And I guess this one is probably the most disturbing. And this is the case of James Finley. He was an orphan who was working at the novelty mill, and he was working there only two months as a sweeper and oiler of the machinery. He had been taken from uh, Ottawa, Kansas, 
and moved to Bloomington with his adopted mother, Mrs. John Greenlee, in June of 1883. It was theorized that James must have been trying to prepare a fan that was near an unguarded knuckle and shaft in the machinery. His clothing was caught, and the poor boy was killed by the machine. Uh, no mention was made of his age or where he would be buried. That sucks. And that's that's what, that's, and the only information we have is what has been claimed. Mm-hmm. So something completely different could have happened for all we know. Um, but only the luckiest of orphans were reclaimed by their families. Annie Gobble was placed in a family in the McLean County area. And her grandparents searched for her for three years, and they finally found her and claimed her. Supposedly, the grandparents were wealthy, and Annie was going to be their heir. This was recorded um, August 1887. Uh, Ross Case was another lucky orphan. He had been living with Mr. Ellis Brown at Oak Grove for 14 months when he was advised that a wealthy uncle had died in Ohio and left him $75,000. And this was in 1880s, so you can only imagine how much that really was. Yeah, so a young boy named Pike was found on a farm near uh, Shinoa after a long search by his parents. While the father was working far from his family in New York, he became ill, and his wife was forced to put the children in the school while she went to nurse him. When they returned to the reclaim the children, it was found the youngest had been sent to another school, and that youngest had been sent out as an orphan. The family diligently searched for the boy, and when he was found, he did not even recognize his father, whom he actually didn't see for six years. Wow. The farmer was very, very fond of this boy, but... He decided that his family had a greater right to him, and the family was eventually reunited. So, during the 20th century, uh, later 20th century, history-minded people began an attempt to trace orphan-trained children. It was, however, more a matter of interest for the historians than affinity for the spotlight by the orphans. Some of the old orphans were still so scarred and humiliated by their experiences they would request that their names not be revealed. Probably dozens of others just kept quiet and never told their story. For them, the orphaning process was just a depersonalization and shameful part of their past lives. Some were mistreated as orphans and unwilling to talk. Um, I guess it was a, another, uh, I guess a reverberation from that. Uh, I remember watching uh, Unsolved Mysteries uh, about several months ago. And they were profiling a man who was part of the orphan train uh, in the early 1920s. He um, was shipped from the eastern United States, such as thousands, hundreds of thousands of others, and sent to the Midwest. He endured uh, mental, uh, psychological, uh, it's probably the same, physical abuse during his years working on a Midwestern family's farm. And it wasn't until he was a younger adult where he started to try to look for his family. And this search would go on for over 50 years. And actually, unfortunately, um, he had died before the, uh, and they were, he was interviewed by Unsolved Mysteries and he was with the purpose and the intention of trying to look for his family and unfortunately, he had died before the episode had aired. And this was in 19, 
87. So uh, his case was the same as many others who would uh, try to look for their birthright families. And, you know, some would succeed, but others, many others, weren't unable to do it. I mean, that's one of the really sad takeaways that I got from, you know, researching the orphan train. Mm-hmm. Is most people, most people don't get to ever see their family again. And I totally agree with, you know, if you do, you know, get to go find your family again, mm-hmm. you might never find them again. Right. And that's what's the most depressing. Um, what I have to say is not being able to ever see your family again. You know, I'm a big family oriented person. So losing my family, I'd probably lose my shit. So, yeah. Um, by 1854, society was sending children out in groups to be found in homes and worked in the West. But however, the orphan trains did not take the air incorrigible disease for African-American children, nor were all of the children orphans, but were children placed with society by their parents who could no longer uh, keep them. Uh, the traffic of children peaked in 1875 and continued until 1930. Uh, by that time, you had the Great Depression, and I guess something that we really kind of bounce around, but it's kind of this evident in the stories that we talked about, is just how really fucked up child labor was in those days like you would have something where kids in in the early 20th century they you thought 40 hour work rate was something these kids would work 50 fucking hours for like five cents an hour at fucking steel exactly that's why it's like okay the whole orphan train, I get some kids had a good experience, but, like, what's really a good experience when you work 50 hours for five cents with labor laws? Like, not installed or anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would be some, uh, as uh, Doris Glade Vogel, a Holcomb genealogist uh, who spent 10 years gathering information about the orphan train, she would say, for example, some babies would die in train coaches. Uh, the other kid, older kids were just stuck in boxcars. They couldn't afford to put them in all in coaches. I mean, it, it, you just, that, you just have to wonder what is going through those kids' minds getting in those orphan trains. And, you know, this is, we got, we, it's the 19th century. This isn't like, you know, you take, say, for modern purposes, you're going on an Amtrak you're going from New York to, say, Chicago, right? And even then, that's probably going to be, what, a day? In today's Wayne Rage? We're talking about the 1850s and early 1900s. That shit's going to be at least a week. So, I just can't imagine. And and it's it's just weird to think how it was started why it was started, what the actual purpose of it really was. Was it was it to really help, um, you know, the children to, to quote-unquote reform them? Was it considered a program? Or was it just to get them out of their cities and get them out of their hair? Mm-hmm. Because that was another problem, and I guess maybe we danced around it. Around those times, you really had uh, a problem with 
overpopulated urban areas. This was a time when immigrants were really coming in the late 19th century. So you would really have these overcrowded areas in, in especially in cities like uh, New York and Boston, Philadelphia. So I can, you know, it's, it's a really conceivable notion in, in some of these institutions. It's like, well, you know, all these children and some of these, you know, orphans, so or homeless, uh, have not, you know, we want to ship them out in the Midwest where maybe the population is a little more, I guess, controlled, if that makes sense. It's not like, you yeah, know, there's more, it's, they're, uh, the cities aren't as big yet, you know, Chicago's still up and, well, in the late 1800s, Chicago, you know, became mm-hmm. the big city it was thanks to the world fair right um but yeah all out there is just just country open field open land yeah which revolves you know to working class or a lot of fucking murders mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. whatever floats in the boat <laughs> i mean yeah i mean just doing this on oh, this is again this is a very different uh it's a different stray from what we do when we do true crime murders, but I mean, just the content itself is just as sad. Like it's just you know, we it's a lot of just things. You have orphan children who are moving mm-hmm. from or homeless children moving from the only home they ever knew or the only environment to what some can argue just another a, a, a really loveless a cold and uh, a family environment where they are just looked as spoke on the wheel not not as another member of a sprawling family and i mean again in some cases there was kids who didn't make it out alive and i mean that's just really 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 hard to stomach and it really makes me wonder if what would have happened to majority of those kids if they stayed in the city. And it's weird to look to how much time has changed in the last 75 years um, from these child labor laws straight up to children can't work until they're 18 without a permission slip kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's weird how much labor laws and child laws have changed. Yeah. And, uh, it's very, and there's so many stories I'd love to get into and, and just go through and read forever. But I, I really think this is something that should be in our history books and mm-hmm. learn about more because this wasn't just a successful movement or operation, you know, there were flaws in this, there were It seemed like for every every one or two success stories you had three or four stories that were like iffy and then you had another three or four that just went way off the kilter. Yeah. Like, majority of these stories quote-unquote, they could have been happy stories, but majority of them were child labor stories, so where's the happiness in that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely something I want to go back to or just 
start watching all the weird movies about it, but I definitely believe this is something that should be really um, talked about because here we are right now with so many different views with children that aren't part of America, children that are part of America, labor laws in other countries, Mm -hmm. uh, what is acceptable for children, what is not, and so on and so forth, you know? Yeah. Um, So many questions. Yeah. And uh, guys, hey, if, um, if you want to know more information on, like, the orphan train movement, um, like I said, there's a lot of information just on not on the state where you could find, you know, Google or, yeah, Google the State Genealogical Society. They have tons of orphan train records. Um, fuck, go to, go to Wikipedia, orphan, orphan train movement. Or there's a lot of books on this. Um, we reference them, uh, some that you can find on Amazon whatnot. But, yeah, this is a very... It's a peculiar time in our nation's history um, that really... And it's not talked about a lot. Yeah. It's weird. That's why it's something I definitely wanted to go through. You know, we we as a nation haven't really talked about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's something that should be talked about, especially, too, because there's so many different things going on with you know, children and people going missing that it's definitely something to pay attention to. Yeah. And um, on that note, guys, uh, we thank you so much for, you know, staying listening to us. Um, That is episode 15, the orphan train movement and its impact in Illinois for, uh, to be specific, boy, this has been a long night for both of us. Um, we are going to be coming back uh, next week with episode 15 that we do not know. Um, hey, we'll take you guys' suggestions. I mean, we got something off the burner that we just, you know, brainstorm, but we don't have anything set in stone. But like I said, we will be coming back sometime next week. I don't know when, but we will do it. Um, again, thank you guys so much. Uh, you can find us on social media with Killinois. Uh, Killing with Bird and Cam on Facebook. Uh, we do respond pretty quickly. We got a hundred percent response rate, so we're not gonna just gonna read it, read it, and then leave you on scent. True, but we do like to think about our responses before yeah. we send them. So exactly. it may take us a hot second. Yeah, but we'll get to you probably within the next hour or so. Exactly. But hey, guys, that's it. If you got anything, any information on this case or other cases. Again, don't don't uh, hesitate to come through us, and like I said, we'll happily hear you out, and we'll go from there. Um, also, you can find us on IG, a Illinois podcast. Uh, we have our individual social media accounts. You can find uh, the lovely lady Cam on. Boy, don't kill! I got it! I got it! On Twitter with I like stuff six six thirty, and. Instacam 630 on There it is. I was like, you're struggling on the Instagram I was struggling, yeah, and I just, it came back to, yeah, like I said, I've been up since 5 in the morning, so I was like, I gotta get it, I gotta get it. This is 11 o'clock p.m. (laughs) that we are recording this, so, yeah. Uh, And you could find me on 
I can get this. Bird, your enthusiasm on the <laughs> like, I know you can get yours just like that, like duh. But you can find me on Bird Your Enthusiasm on Instagram and Birdman for America on Twitter. So that said, um, again, guys, thank you so much for supporting us, for listening to us, and we will be back for episode fifteen of Killinois. And as always, be there. We expect you bitches to be there. Yeah, or be killed. Yeah, see how I change it up there. Yeah. <laughs> I like it the other way. Try it again. Okay. Be there. Or, or be killed, bitches. Oh, we, <laughs> we got something. Yeah, that's, that's, our, that's, our, that's our new sign-in. That was real shit. 